0: Guarding against cultural forces on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. Colossians 2:8 says, "See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit" according to the human tradition, according to the elemental principles of the world, and not according to Christ. You know, I think it's so important when we consider counseling ideas and the way in which we practice, we, we always have to be guarding against cultural forces, things that are in the world, things that are in the culture, that push us to think and practice in certain ways that can be uh, empty philosophy, as Colossians says, and vain deceit. For us, I think it's important to consistently consider uh, some of these cultural forces. I I ran across, not long ago, an article that was written in 1952. And you say, why are we dealing with some sort of article like that? Well, I I think it's important for us to consider uh, the topic that this man is writing about. His name is Silvano Arietti. He was a psychoanalytic thinker, and he's promoting Freudian ideology. And you say, man, Freud is so old school. We've moved past Freud You'd be surprised when you pay attention to some of the counseling philosophies and how saturated our culture is uh, with counseling theory, uh, where Freud pops up or Freudian ideology pops up. And I want to consider some of the ideas that he's promoting to help us to make sure that, that we're connecting the way that we practice in counseling is never divorced from ideas. It's never divorced from what we believe to be true about people, what we believe to be true about life, what we believe to be true about uh, all of the world. And so it's important that we make these connections. Now, in this article, Arietti is simply just trying to make an argument. He asks this question, and he says, Why did it take so long for psychoanalytic thinking to enter into the world in which we live now. Now remember he's writing this in 1952. As he's writing this, Freudian ideology is is growing and things are spreading particularly in America like wildfire and even the church is adopting some of these ideas. You have several even conservative Christian thinkers who are writing very positively about Freud and beginning to adopt some of his his ideology and psychoanalytic thinking. Uh, And that that still is true, I would argue, even today. It shows up in in different streams and different ways of thinking. But some of the root ideas still remain. And as Arietti is writing, he's considering historically you know, why it took so long for some of these ideas to, to come into place, and he gives three basic reasons. Now, I'm going to mention a couple of these, and, and I want to expound on a few of these that I think are important for us to consider as you think about counseling and, and making sure that you're consistently, as that verse in Colossians mentions, that we're consistently anchored to Christ and not being swept away by empty philosophies and vain deceit. Because it's easy for us to look at cultural forces and human tradition and move in that direction because it's so common in the, in the culture around us as opposed to uh, giving counsel according to Christ. I cannot tell you and express to you how important this is so that we don't continue to see drift happen in the church. And so as we consider some of Arietti's thoughts, the first thing he says is that it was Platonic rational thinking— that really for so many years, several millennia, actually uh, held off the ideas of Freudian thinking. Now, what in the world does he mean by that? In part, he's talking about the Platonic ideas, um, the, the Greek ideas from rational thinking, that, that Freudian psychoanalytic thinking is, is quite opposed to rational thinking. What Arietti describes is that Platonic rationalism actually is uh, a paradoxical, ultra rationalist position that's that's quite anti-psychological now I find that interesting in the modern because if we think about God and who God is um, I'm not promoting platonic thinking I'm certainly not a, a platonic thinker at all uh, but but what I would say is that God is a very rational being and God is not a god of chaos God is a god of order and it's interesting that that what he's saying is that uh, believing in some sort of ultra rationalism or a rational ideal, is something that's anti-psychological or anti-psychoanalytic. Uh, it, it's interesting to me that if we allow some sort of philosophy of uh, chaos or mysticism to be influential in the way that we think in counseling, uh, we're actually opening up the door for an erosion of uh, the rationality that that is behind uh, the God who who holds the world together. A second thing that I think is critical that Arietti mentions as one of those anti-psychoanalytic forces in history is what he calls the suppression of the sensory and emotional now essentially what he's saying is that uh, back in hebraic culture which was rooted in uh, now flourishing in christian thinking but rooted in the the hebraic culture from the old testament in the bible is this idea that anything that was an emotional expression or anything that was a sexual expression is something that needs to be suppressed or oppressed. Now, of course, he doesn't understand that correctly, but what he is doing is he's trying to reinterpret morality, and he's trying to reinterpret morality as if to say, well, in the Hebraic culture and now what Christians do is they just take any type of sensual thinking and they say that that's evil and bad. Uh, No, the idea is that we have a distinct morality. We have a distinct morality and an ethic that's according to uh, God's design And we are to live in expression of that design. And anything that's contrary to that, we are called to put in submission to him. We're called to mortify those types of sinful sexual desires. So there are appropriate expressions of emotions. Emotions in and of themselves are not evil. There are appropriate expressions of sexuality. Sexuality in and of itself is not evil. But those things which cross the line over and against God's morality— Uh, are, in fact, evil and sinful and ought to be done away with, not suppressed. The idea that he's promoting here is he's saying that uh, Christian thinking about sensuality and trying to tame desires within us, submit those to the Spirit of God, is over and against uh, psychoanalytic thinking. It's over and against psychological thinking. Now, I think this is important because... Uh, what he's saying is that what's at base in Freudian thinking is what Freud calls the the pleasure principle. is whatever it is that we want, whatever it is that we desire, we should be able to to go after in our sensuality. We should be able to seek pleasure uh, really at any cost. That cultural force at base is wreaking havoc on the world in which you and I live in. What we see is a is a world right now saturated, in self-sensual pleasure. And we cannot dismiss the fact that the influence of Freudian thinking over the last 115 years in our country uh, is not at least one of the primary tributaries that have contributed to that type of sensuality in the culture in which you and I live in. And yet, what we've done in evangelical circles is often we've adopted that kind of thinking in the counseling room I can't tell you how opposed that is to a biblical morality and a biblical ethic. And anything that should be called biblical counseling should always be vigilant and aware, paying attention to those types of empty philosophies, seeing the product of what's happened in the fruit of that over 115 years. So we have to be cautious and aware of the ways in which we still see uh, Freud's psychoanalytic thinking regarding the, the pleasure principle and that we should never adopt any type or style of counseling that promotes the flourishing of the self. We have to be very cautious, and Arietti's actually right. He's demonstrating that, that Freudian thinking is opposed to Christian thinking at base, but it's so odd to me when you study in the 1940s and 50s in America, particularly even in conservative evangelical circles, we were adopting that hand over fist, and this is a part of what Dr. Adams was writing against during the early days of the biblical counseling movement. The final thing that Arietti points out that was one of the, the primary cultural forces to guard against psychoanalytic thinking, and this is going to shock you. I, I think this is so shocking. When I read this article and I discovered this, I think this is a goldmine for us to understand. He says, it is Augustine's ideas about original sin. Now think about this. As Augustine was writing against Pelagius, he's, he's really defending a biblical anthropology. He's defending the idea of not just uh, what should describe why we have human problems, but Augustine is also expressing uh, because of these human problems that originate in our hearts at the base level of who we are into sin, that what we need as help and restoration can't come from ourselves. It's interesting in the modern that so much of our counseling psychologies actually try to employ the self, uh, and that's an attempt to really assuage and do away with Augustine's thinking. L- listen to what Arietti says here, and I think this is instructive. He says, Augustine is the most typical representative of this concept of life, meaning the ideas of original sin. From his writings, it appears obvious that he was obsessed by a sense of sin. His goal was to make this world a city of God, a place free of sin. But this was an almost impossible task because he saw sin all over the world. The point that Ariete is trying to make, I think, is absolutely profound, and it's one that is very instructive for us. He's trying to demonstrate for us the discrepancy and how far in polar opposites Freudian thinking is at base with the way we think in the biblical counseling world, where we are rooted in healthy theology flowing out of the Scriptures in the way that we think about human beings. What he's demonstrating for us is is actually very helpful because he's saying the way Freud thinks about a human being is diametrically opposed to the way that we think by necessity in consistent Christian, conservative, evangelical thinking. Now, I think this is important because uh, what he's saying is uh, all of the, the ideas, the, the cultural forces behind psychoanalytic thinking uh, breed into the destruction and the tearing down of the narrative of the Scriptures, that we were people born into sin and what gives us understanding conceptually and categorically of all the problems that we face are rooted in the fall. They're rooted in Augustine's idea for which he defended of original sin. Now, if we consider that, what we've seen over time, the influence of Freud in our country, and particularly in America, is this is not an experimentation anymore. What we see very clearly is the influence as Freudian thinking has trickled in. It's odd to me how we in evangelical circles have said, no, you know what, Freud, you you were wrong. Your your ideas about um, psychoanalytic thinking... They weren't so opposed to religion. You know what? You, you've produced some good things that actually can be very helpful to us, and so um, you were wrong to think that religion is such a detriment and that your ideas were so opposed to religion. We think some of the things that you've pr- proposed are actually very, very helpful to us. So we begin to adopt this about 100 years ago thinking that this is healthy and this is good, this psychoanalytic thinking, which has a different view of man and a different explanation of why man has problems. It begins to remove guilt and shame because if we're not sinful human beings, then we're not at fault. Something else has to be at fault. And so we begin to see the assuaging of guilt and shame in other means. And it's interesting to see that uh, the experimentation is over. After 100 years of us experimenting with this, we see very clearly what it's led to, a destruction of morality from a biblical perspective, a destruction of the way in which we even see ourselves and what we think we're entitled to over and against Christian ideals. Now, I say all this as just simply a warning, the same warning that Paul gives in Colossians 2 verse 8 that all of these ideas that come from human t- tradition and that build the cultural forces that we see around us every single day, particularly as it relates to the way in which we counsel other people, is these things are not value-free. I remember in Psychobabble, Richard Gans actually mentions this. He, he talks very deeply about the way in which Freudian thinking not being value-free has major impact and influence I would agree with Dr. Gans and, and actually say that that's happening still today. It's impacting the church in the way that we think about our, mora- our morality and our ethical senses. Can I encourage you today to be very vigilant, even in the way in which you practice in counseling, to pay attention to the cultural forces that are around us that are so easy for us to be swept away by? Now, we've been talking about Freud, but but don't dismiss Freud as somebody who's dead and gone and is not influential anymore. I would argue that one of the primary contributions of Freud is that he has built for our current culture the absolute assuaging of guilt and shame. And with that, now we begin to look in therapeutic um, varieties for the way in which we think we get help and healing. That's a stark contrast from what Augustine would argue, that, no, we are born into original sin, and conceptually and categorically that explains why we have the issues we have and why we feel guilt and why we feel shame and that the Scriptures are sufficient to begin to answer all of the, the questions that we have about those human problems. So can I encourage you today to be vigilant? Pay attention to the cultural forces that are proposing ideas about how we help people because those cultural forces and those ideas are never value-free. They're never just simply neutral. There are ideas behind them that if they go against the Scriptures and they're not, as Colossians 2 says, according to Christ, they're tearing down the ideals of Christ. We must stand firm. We must stand strong, even in the way in which we practice and know that we're promoting ideas about people, ideas about problems, and that forces us in the direction that we look For the solutions to those problems. And can I encourage you? The Bible is sufficient. Can I encourage you to remain vigilant in your counseling? You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Back in 2016, ACBC produced a series of essays. And those essays were trying to contemplate uh, different modern theories. And it was trying to do exactly what I've been talking about on the podcast today, where we're trying to guard against empty philosophies and vain deceptions. I want to recommend that resource to you and the essays that we've produced after. We produced another volume in 2018. I think they'll be very helpful to you as you consider different areas. Our second volume was on post-traumatic stress disorder and how to think thoroughly through uh, all the cultural forces surrounding that and still have biblical outlook according to Christ in the way in which we think about trauma. And so I want to encourage you to to get your hands on those types of resources. And you can find out more about those essays and many other resources at biblicalcounseling.com.